You're now listening to the Stouffville Pentecostal Church audio podcast. This week's message comes to us from our senior high and young adults pastor, Pastor Stefan Watson. Have a listen. Well, good morning and welcome to Stouffville Pentecostal Church. If you haven't been with us before, uh, as you'll see in a moment, my name is Stefan Watson. I am our senior high and young adults pastor here at Stouffville Pentecostal Church. And I am excited, elated to be bringing the word uh, to you today on this Sunday. It is a very fantastic time, great time that we are living in in the world. And I'm excited to bring this word to you. And so if you have your Bible with you, I would want, uh, I'd ask you to turn to Mark chapter 1, verse 16 to 20. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. The words will be on the screen in a moment. But it says this, One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee, in the boat with the men that were hired, or with the hired men. I want to spend some time this morning looking at this small passage of scripture uh, that I believe has big implications for us as believers in this world today. Um, now, I don't know if you've had a chance during this uh, COVID-19 pandemic, but a few weeks ago, ESPN and Netflix, they decided to move up the release date of a documentary that they had produced on the 1997 Chicago Bulls that featured the world's greatest basketball player in the history and probably forevermore, Michael Jordan. And one of the things that came out of that documentary was that Michael Jordan is hyper-competitive. He's not just competitive. He's not super. He is hyper competitive. He competes in almost every arena of his life, as we saw in the documentary. And so it came to be somewhat of a surprise earlier this week when I found out that Michael Jordan, and this is going to shock maybe some of you, Michael Jordan actually has a fishing team. Weird, I know, you never would think the greatest basketball player ever has a fishing team, but he has a fishing team, and he was on the boat. And earlier this week, Michael Jordan's fishing team caught a marlin that weighed 442.3 pounds. Think about that for a second. In fact, hopefully, um, you you can visualize that, but here's a picture just for you, just so you'll be able to see it. Uh, This is what a 442.3 pound marlin looks like. And when they weighed it, it is estimated that it's worth $3.3 million. So in that aspect, I know exactly what you're thinking. When this is all over, we're all going to go down south and we're going to go fishing. We're going to we're going to try to find the biggest marlin that we that we can. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I have no clue about fishing, so I probably would be of no help. And so maybe maybe that might not be the type of fishing that I should do. However, and if you're like me, that's okay because I've got another type of fishing that we can do together. And so I'm glad you're up for that challenge, because this morning I want to take us to the Sea of Galilee back into our text. And on the Sea of Galilee, Galilee, we find five people fishing, and a sixth person joins them. See, it's not by chance that we find ourselves here. It's not by chance that the story, the passage I read earlier, happens this way. I believe that it is ordained specifically to reveal to us exactly how we can be uh, fishers in the world today, and what that has for us as believers. 
I believe that it reveals as well a couple things, and I'll, I'll come right out and tell you, it reveals two things about what Jesus had in mind. It reveals his intentionality uh, that he had when it came to disciples. And it also revealed a plan for outreach and how to reach out to those that are lost and those that are hurting. And so we find Jesus walking along the Sea of Galilee. Jesus had uh, this passage, if you're, you're reading it in the Gospel of Matthew, because there is an account in Matthew as well. Uh, Jesus had been tempted that had passed. And now it is time to take his ministry to, to another level. He, he needs to break new ground. He needs to do something new uh, because this is what the ministry plan for his life called for. Jesus knew the people that he needed to make this come to pass. He knew exactly what he needed on his team. And, and you know, I find that interesting because as, as a leader, I build leadership teams. I know exactly the people I want on my team to help me take the gospel to the group of people I'm trying to reach, in my case, teenagers and young adults. And so Jesus, it's time for him to take his, his ministry to another level. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because we need to be like Jesus here. See, Jesus doesn't sit back and wait for people to come to him. See, Jesus went to where the people that he needed were. Jesus went to where people are. He walked to them and met them in their place. I believe that the greatest failure sometimes of some of our churches is that we allow people to come to church and get too comfortable where they are. And we don't say, hey, the goal of following Jesus isn't just to come to church and stay here. The goal is actually to come to church and then go out and make disciples. Go out into our community. Go out into our world and meet people where they are. Jesus didn't say, wait. He said, go, go and make. And I think sometimes we forget about that. I think we, we lose sight of that fact. You know, we just came out of a Holy Spirit series, and that was uh, an emphasis on what the Holy Spirit was for uh, believers. You know, we are equipped with the Holy Spirit to go out. That was one of the primary functions of the Holy Spirit. And we, we, I think we lose sight of that sometimes. I was talking to, to a pastor one time, and man, I, I, I so honor his desire for outreach, his love of outreach. Uh, he's a fellow youth pastor and he was talking, you could just, just see the love he has for reaching out into community. He said, I, I want my youth ministry, I want the ministry that God has given me charge over to be a youth ministry that goes out into the community, that builds up believers who are willing to risk you know, some of their fears to go out and meet people and reach people and tell people about Jesus and be bold about their faith and not let anything stop them. You know, he, he, was, he shared that, and I just, I was so overwhelmed just by and hearing his passion. You know, he, he said, I don't want to be uh, a pastor that waits for people to come. I want to be a pastor that takes church to the people. He just reminds me, as believers, God has called us to meet people and meet them where they are. And this is, like I said earlier, what Jesus did. And then Jesus goes to them and he interrupts their life with an offer uh, they couldn't refuse. See, in those days, a teacher like Jesus would have had people coming up to him, right? And here is this, this rabbi, this teacher that is going around and, you know, he's, he's preaching and teaching the word and, he, and people are being uh, healed and just life-changing moments. And so people would flock to him. 
But in this moment, Jesus was not uh, going to wait for them to come up to him and say, hey, can I follow you? Jesus was going to them. He went out and found the people to be his followers. No, he didn't just say, hey, be a follower, but also be a partner in my mission. And Jesus calls us to do the same. Jesus calls us to follow, not only to follow, but to participate in the plan of redemption. But there are sacrifices. We do give up things. We see that here. Watch this. Jesus requires them to make some sacrifices. You know, Simon and Andrew, they, they left their jobs and their lives. James and John left their jobs and they left their, their lives and they left their father. Left them right there. Imagine that. Imagine you're, you're there on the boat and you just see these guys get up and leave their dad. He's like, hey, bye dad, love you. I'm going to go follow this guy now. I'm going to go follow Jesus. See, I'm not, saying that, uh, I'm not saying that God is calling us all to leave our jobs right this moment and all to leave our families right this moment, but he is calling us to make difficult choices. I often ask teenagers, what are you willing to give up for the kingdom? What are you willing to let go of for the kingdom of God? I, and I, I want to ask you this moment, what are you willing to give up for the kingdom of God? You see, the, the call of Jesus can change the lives of ordinary people in radical ways. You know, Peter was just a fisherman. Peter, well, you know, he was just a fisherman, an ordinary job that, you know, people did. And, you know, he probably survived. He was able to get by, you know. Uh, but here's the thing. Peter uh, gets turned into one of the most important people in the New Testament. What does Jesus say in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18? He says, on this rock, I will build my church. And he's talking to Peter. You see, the sacrifice that Peter made, in the moment, it was big. But look at the legacy that Peter left. When Jesus ascended into heaven, it was Peter who led the church for, for a time. You know, when it comes to following Jesus, what sacrifice are we making? Better question is this. What sacrifice do I need to make in order to follow Christ and participate in the redemption more effectively? What sacrifice, what can I give up to be fully participating in God's plan for redemption of this world? You know, oftentimes when you say, hey, you can do this, you can do that, and people say, no, I can't do that. It makes me nervous. I have fear. And, and fear and anxiety, those are, those are real things. But with God, we don't focus on what we can't do. I think we need to focus on what we can do. You know, every one of us has been gifted. It is in different areas, and we'll see in a moment just different areas that, that we, we find our disciples working in. But we're gifted. God is interested in what you can do. And the things that you can't do, don't worry. There's someone else in the kingdom that can do them. You know, those men that Jesus called, they, they actually didn't object. You know, we'll see, we see in Scripture Moses, when he gets called by God to, to lead the Israelites, Moses objected a number of times. No, he used every excuse in the book about why he couldn't be used. And God just armed him with more and more stuff to get the job done. God, they won't listen to me. I, I stutter. All right, there's your, here, take this guy. He'll go with you. He'll, he'll speak. God, what if they don't believe me? Here, take this staff. Throw it down. Oh, he turns into a snake. Now they'll believe you. God just gave him more and more tools to get the job done. But the disciples here, not only did they not object, but they, they went immediately. 
right? They, they jumped up. They, they went. Verse 18 of Mark chapter 1 says, And they left their nets at once and followed him. Verse 20, same chapter, uh, after Jesus called them, he called them at once and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. There was, there was no going back to something else. No, no, we're going right now. And so, you know, as, as churches, you know, you know as we, we get closer and closer to, to churches looking to reopen and, and things like that, maybe, uh, not only as we get closer to reopening, but maybe, you know, as we look around our world, how can we share the story of Jesus? No doubt we, we look at our world and we see some of the, the injustices and some of the things going on in our world. And, and yeah, you know, we, we chalk things up to, or people will say, you know, it's humanity, but I think that there's a deeper thing that we need to speak to as a church. There's a level of sin in the world that we don't speak out against, that we don't call out. The way we do that is by sharing the gospel of Jesus. The way we do that, we stand up for injustice, and then we say, listen, what I'm doing is nothing in compared to what Jesus did. Who came, he saw these things, he offered people a new way forward, and then he died on a cross. You know, the world needs to know about Jesus. I remember, like, uh, maybe probably about five, six years ago, I was watching a video on Tom Brady, who who was the quarterback of the Patriots at that time. And he said in an interview, just talking about how many Super Bowls he'd won, he, 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 you know, he's married to a supermodel, he, he's got all the money he wants, and yet he still feels that there's something missing in his life. I don't know Tom Brady's belief status. I don't know what church or if he attends church. But I do know that there are people probably next door to you, next door to me, who are wondering the same thing who have everything they probably want, but still feel an emptiness inside. So the disciples, they, they, they leave everything and they follow Jesus. You know, when Jesus called Simon, Peter, and Andrew, they were doing this interesting thing. Let's read this one more time uh, in verse 16. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing, the, throwing a net into the water. For they fished for a living. You see, they were in the middle of doing something. See, action is important in the kingdom of God. See, without the action, all we're doing is talking. My wife hates when I say something, but there's no action. Uh, she, she readily and quickly will call me out. An important part of the kingdom is action. And what do I mean by action? An important part of the kingdom is the going. An important part of the kingdom is reaching out. But watch this as well. You know, as Peter and Andrew, they, they were great soul winners for Christ. They were the ones who took the gospel uh, further. They were fishing for men. They went and found people and they reached out. But then we see James and John. And they were mending their nets. They were repairing their nets. 
And it's interesting uh, because as, you, as, as I said a moment ago, Peter and, and Andrew, they, or Simon Peter and Andrew, they would go out and be people who reached out and they would be, they would be missionaries. They would go. They would go out everywhere. But James and, and John, they were the people who were more of the taking care type. They were the teacher-pastor types. The, in essence, what I'm saying is that the kingdom of God, as believers, it boils down to two roles. We're all called to reach out. Some of us are called to go a little further, maybe step out of our community and go outside of our country. You know, some of us are called to that. But some of us are also called to take care of those people. But at the same time, God has anointed us for the same purposes to make disciples everywhere we go. The kingdom of God is built on two things, seeking and restoring. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. We are called to seek the lost and restore them to a right relationship. And we do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' ministry was built on proclamation and teaching as well as curing the ailments. He was built on the spiritual healing and the physical healing. And this is what the church is called to, to proclaim the gospel and be an instrument of curing the spiritual needs of people all the while reaching out and trying to touch people's physical needs. Not saying that we can heal everybody, but we're able to be there when people need us in a time of crisis. May we be a church that does that. I want to tell you the story, and I'm going to wrap up. There's a seacoast where, where shipwrecks are frequent, and there was this little life-saving station that was built. It was, it was just a hut, and there was only really one rescue boat. But there were a few devoted crewmen who kept a constant watch over the sea. They didn't really think about themselves. They thought about the people that, they're, that are out there. They went out day and night searching for anybody who might need help. And many lives were saved because of their efforts. After a while, the station became famous. And some of those who were saved, as well as others in the surrounding area, wanted to be a part of the work. You know, they gave time and money for its support and new boats were bought and additional people were trained and, and the station grew. Some of the members became unhappy that the, that the building was, was so crude and so they felt that it was time to build a bigger building and a nicer one. So they replaced the emergency cots that they had and replaced them with, with fancy hospital beds. They put better furniture and enlarged the building. And soon, soon the station became so popular of a gathering place for its members to discuss the work and to visit with each other. And they continued to remodel and redecorate until the station uh, took on the look and the character and the feel of a club. Fewer members are actually interested in going out and saving people. So they hired professional crews to do that work. You see, I believe that the, the life-saving motif that we see in this story it's still proclaimed in that club. You know, it still had rescue on the side. The letterhead still said rescue. But there wasn't really a lot of rescuing going on. One day, a large ship was wrecked off the coast, and the hired crews brought in many boatloads of the cold, the wet, and the half-drowned people. They were bruised, they were dirty, they were sick, and the nice new club was messed up. So the property committee had a shower built outside where the victims could be cleaned up before coming inside. In the next meeting, there was a, a, a vote 
and there was a split in the club membership and most of the members wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities because it was making the social life of the club a hindrance and some insisted on keeping life-saving as a primary purpose because after all they were a life-saving station. But those who wanted to do that were voted down and told to begin their own station somewhere down the coast. Years went by and the new station faced the same problems as the other one had. Eventually it too became a club and then another one started and it too became a club and history repeated itself over and over and over again. And if you visit that coast today, you'll find a number of exclusive clubs and you'll also see shipwrecks gone by. And shipwrecks, they still happen, but most of the people, they, they drown. This is church history. God has called us to fish men and women out of the sea of sin. But what has happened over time is that we've gotten so caught up in so many other things that we forget about that. May we be a people who don't lose focus of what God has called us to. Jesus was looking for disciples because he needed people who were going to go out there and proclaim. He needed people who would rescue, who would take care, who would help heal. And that's what our mission is. We face a world that is broken. People are crying out. And some of us, we see it. But I think all of us need to get it. Maybe you're here or you're watching this morning. And you need to take that first step. You, you see the cries for help, but you don't know where to begin. You, you might be that person that has that emptiness inside. Well, let me tell you where it begins. It begins first and foremost by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So if you're, you're watching right now and you want to make that first step, just repeat after me. Let's pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. I know I am a sinner. And I admit that you save. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Come into my life and be the Lord of my life. And from this day on, I am saved. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I need you to know that in heaven there's a party going on because there are, the angels rejoice when one person comes home. But for the rest of us, maybe we followed Christ for many years. Maybe you just clicked in that there's still something you can do. You still play a role in the kingdom. And so I encourage you to go out and seek ways to do that. Seek those who are lost. Seek those who are broken. And reach out to them. Go fishing. And church, I believe it's time that we step up our fishing game. We can do it in every area. Teenagers, young adults, even kids. I think it's time for us to, uh, let's go catch us a 442 pound marlin. Thank you, and uh, I hope this word has touched you. Thank the, the girls for leading us in worship so beautifully. Be blessed, church, and have a great week, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Stovall Pentecostal Church Audio Podcast. For more information about Stovall Pentecostal Church, including service times, please visit our website at www.spcfamily.ca. Have a good week and God bless.